Well, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at three topics that are on the screen. Work, rest, and play. But we did them in a slightly different order. We started with rest. We then did work. If you were here last week, John was talking about how our work comes out of our rest. And that was a really important principle. And this week, we're looking at play, or leisure time, or free time. I'm going to be really honest as I start this morning. I've really struggled with this this week. So if I say anything of use this morning, it's on God's um, heart, if you like, for you. It's not really anything that I have really thought, oh, you know, some light has opened up in my heart over this. But let's see where we get to. Let's start in God's word. Psalm 16. Page 528, if you've got a church Bible. Psalm 16. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I save the godly who are in the land. They are the noble people in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out their libations of blood or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. I trust that some of this will apply to leisure time. We'll see where we get to. Keep that psalm open. We will refer to it as we go through this morning. So let's, first of all, let's set the context of what we're talking about when we talk about play and leisure. There's some recent research being done, it's a couple of years old, that suggests the average person has 35 hours a week of leisure time, or free time, or play time. 35 hours a week. Now that is time when we're not working, paid or otherwise. It's time when we're not sleeping. It's time when we're not doing the housework. But it's the time the average person has left when everything else that we need to do is done. It may be time that we spend socialising, it may be time that we spend in a sports club, we may spend it watching the telly, we may spend it on the internet using social media. Do you want to see the research? Here it is. Now you may be thinking here this morning, 35 hours a week, dream on. If I get three minutes of leisure time a week, I'm doing well. But this is some quite thorough research that's done. Now see this massive chunk, two hours, 47 minutes a day, watching the TV. I'm guessing that most of that section as well also includes people messing on the mobile phones whilst doing everything else at the same time. Look at that little slither there. That one was interesting. Relaxing and thinking. 17 minutes. As if the rest of this is all mindless. Playing games. Participating in sports. Reading. Socialising and communicating. And then all kinds of other leisure activities that people do in there. You may be sat here this morning, well, thinking, well, that's about right for me. You know, in an average week, I perhaps have three or four evenings free. 
I perhaps have a day at a weekend or a day and a half a week, and I can really carve up my leisure time in that kind of way or however I see fit. Each of us has a totally different context. You know, my context is I'm married, I've got two kids and a dog. The dog alone takes seven hours a week of my leisure time walking this dog around. I probably have four or five hours free a week of time that I can actually assign as I see fit. <clears throat> but as a student, sorry to look over at students over there, I had an awful lot more time. You may find that. You're nodding. That's a good thing. You know, I would find I would have months at a time when I could really plan what I was doing. As our children are getting older, I'm finding slowly that time is extending again as they got on and do their own things and they work out their own sort of social life. So this morning, I'm not going to be too specific as we talk about this because I know that all of our contexts are different. So rather than paint with detail, I'm going to just splash some broad brushstrokes around from the Bible and see where we get to. There's also another reason for doing this. The Bible doesn't have, really, a mapped out position on what we do in our leisure time. You know, when we look at the seventh day of creation, what happens? It's a Sabbath, a day of rest. A day where we take break from work. But there is no day eight where Eve goes off and plays golf and Adam goes to the gym. There is just no time when that kind of stuff is discussed. Why? Well, as you go through the history of humanity, actually we're in a very different position to most people who've ever lived. You go back in this country a hundred years ago, and the average working person didn't have leisure time. It was just day to day, chore after chore, just keeping ourselves alive. You look around most of the world today, most people don't have that kind of spare time for leisure and for the pursuits of those kind of things. There is no um, New Testament book that deals with how we treat our leisure time. Why? Because, again, they didn't have the kind of time that we had. Yes, they would go to the amphitheatre or the Colosseum. Some of the wealthy Romans had lounged around in the baths for the afternoon. But a lot of the time, it was just this hand-to-mouth kind of existence. So what does our leisure time, what does how we use it, say about us? Friday afternoon, I checked my personal email account. And Friday afternoon is probably the last day where most, or well, some kids were still at school. So the first day when it's guaranteed that most families are on holiday. And I got four emails into my inbox. Here was the first one. Pizza Express, let us do the cooking this weekend. Groupon, four treats for you and your home. First one was wine. Second one was juice cleansers. I have no idea what those are. The third one was luxury sweets. And the fourth one was scented toilet paper. <laughs> the third email that came into my inbox, and don't worry, this must have been from something Claire had signed up to, was from Dorothy Perkins. <laughs> and it was this, from desk to dusk taking you beyond the nine-to-five look. And the final one, a bit closer to my heart, Costa Coffee. Don't miss out our toasted treats for a pound. Well, we live in a society, don't we, that is constantly telling us we need to treat ourselves. Constantly telling us that in our leisure time, we should reward ourselves. And it makes me, as a Christian, want to ask a question. Do I want to see, as a big motivator in my life, the idea of the treat? The idea of the me focus. The idea of everything being about rewarding myself. Now, don't hear me wrong. There is absolutely nothing wrong with the occasional treat or reward. There is nothing wrong. In fact, there's something very godly about enjoying the creation that God has placed us in. Look at these two verses. 
John 10, verse 10, a well-known verse, I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. You know, God declared the creation very good. He has made us for a relationship with him and one another, and we are called to enjoy it. We are called to enjoy what we have. Ecclesiastes 3, verses 12 to 13. I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and do good while they live, that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. Again, that sense of enjoying the creation, the world that God has placed us in. And, you know, as we look at the creation from the biggest galaxy to the smallest molecule, what do we see? We see beauty. We see things inbuilt in creation for us to enjoy. Last weekend, I went out walking with a friend, and we went for, for breakfast, first of all, and we ate far too many calories so that we had to walk even further to try and burn some of them off. Um, and then we went walking in the, the hills just beyond Chester in North Wales. And we were looking out on the views, and the views right over to Snowdonia, right across the sea, right over to the Peak District. And you just think, you know, isn't God good? God gives us all this to enjoy, and he wants us to celebrate the life that we have. It's uplifting. It's wholesome. But, you know, there's also a strand of Christian teaching throughout the history of the church that sort of pulls back and says, actually, pleasure is bad, that enjoyment is a bad thing. We could have had a quiz on this, actually. Anyone know who this is? You can get to roll the dice if you know who this is. I have to say, I don't think it's a very good um, likeness of the man himself or very realistic. Anyone? Go on, Chris. You You must know who this man is. No. Now, this is a 4th century person by the name of Simon Stylites, who is... You've all heard of him. It was just on the tip of your tongue. I know that. And what this man did was he was, he was um, very much a sort of person who wanted to get close to God. So do you know how he did it? No, he didn't live in a font. <laughs> he climbed up a tower in the Syrian desert and sat under the burning Syrian sun for 20 or 30 years suffering the pain of sunburn, of dehydration, just to try and get close to God. And people used to come and ask him questions. They used to come and take food to him. As the history of the church goes on, if you think of some of the monasteries of the Middle Ages, they, they would focus on pain rather than pleasure as being part of life. You know, Christian life is about austerity and living, living this kind of austere life. As you look further forward, the Puritans, you know, they weren't exactly known for their sort of happy disposition. And even some Christians today will sort of shy away from the enjoyment of life. But in our playtime, in our leisure time, unless we feel called by God to a specifically different road, I don't see that there is any problem with us enjoying our time, with us celebrating the creation that God has given us. But there are significant questions we need to ask. We need to ask ourselves questions about how we do that without our life tipping over into the potential for selfishness. If you've got the psalm in front of you, look at verse 4. It says, Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. David, the king of ancient Israel, who wrote this psalm, is talking about people who are literally going after other gods, people like Baal and the other gods of the nations round about. And he was saying, if you start going after things that are not the Lord... Ultimately, they're a dangerous dead end. Ultimately, they end in pain. Paul says the same kind of thing in Romans 8. For those who are living according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. For those who are according to the Spirit, the things 
of the Spirit. There is something inherent, I think, in the, the human heart, the fallen human heart, that is selfish. I don't know, perhaps it's just me, but I sometimes have to pull myself up and think, I'm ridiculously selfish. You know, I find in my attitudes towards things, or my attitudes towards other people, that I can be disgustingly self-centered. And God has to keep convicting me and pulling me back from that. It just seems to be the way that we are. We can do things that, sadly, have no regard for anybody else other than ourselves. And it feeds back into that sort of treating kind of mentality. A number of years ago, we were friends um, of a family. And this family, one of the the partners in that family, um, had a very high sort of um, way they thought about their leisure time. They would insist on going to the gym three or four times a week. They would insist on nights out with their own friends. And we could see at that point the stress this was putting on the family because it was all done without regard for the others. It was all done without compromise or without talking things through. Do you know what happened? That family fell apart. It couldn't cope with the stress of the selfishness that was being lived out. You know, although God has made the creation for us to enjoy and there's so many wholesome things we can do, It is so easy to set leisure up as an idol. It is so easy to set up whatever those things are that you do in your free time up on some kind of pedestal that then becomes like a small G God, if you like. And we can find ourselves worshipping and pursuing that thing more than we can pursuing God. Matthew 22, 37 to 40, Jesus declared, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. You know, our first task is to love God, isn't it? To put God first. But our second is always to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. In the road of Christian discipleship, there is no room for that kind of setting up of idols, of false gods, that we then come and bow before. Another question that is probably really appropriate at this point to ask is, well, what is appropriate things to do in our leisure time? What are the kind of things God wants us to be involved with? 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. I think Paul is so simple. Is what I'm about to do, in whatever area of life, glorifying to God? Does it bring honour to him? Is the film that I'm about to watch on the TV going to honour God in my heart by watching it? Is the conversation that I'm going to have with somebody in the coffee shop going to honour God? Or is it just going to be about gossip and about bringing other people down? Have my hobbies gone beyond the point of a full life to actually be set up in my heart as idols that I keep pursuing rather than pursuing God? Years ago, I remember I had a youth leader, and he once said that his litmus test of what was right and wrong in his life was always this. If he was doing whatever he was doing and Jesus walked in, how would he feel? Would he welcome Jesus into that situation, or would he be deeply ashamed and embarrassed? See, God has given us consciences, hasn't he? And the closer we are to God, the more his spirit changes and transforms us. And so just, just ask yourself, next time you're doing something, if Jesus were to come in, how would I feel? Would I be ashamed or would I welcome him? 
for me it was a really, really good test. Because it's all about being consistent in our lives, isn't it? That our leisure life is consistent with where we feel we're up to with God. You know, if I'm very different in what I do for leisure activities than I am preaching on a Sunday, then there's a big problem in my life. If you're different in church than you are, say, tomorrow night or on Friday night, there's a big problem. And you know, we live in a world today where people who are not authentic are seen straight through. I think there has never been a greater challenge for the church to stand up and be authentic followers of Jesus. Not full of hypocrisy, not full of double standards, but being consistent. So what we find in this psalm that we read at the start, I believe is a better context for living. I often feel when life gets out of sync, the temptation is to treat the symptoms. You know, say, well, I'm spending too much time on this, so let's spend a bit less. I'm doing this, so let's cut that down, or let's expand this area. When actually, so often the symptoms are caused by something that's going on deep inside of us. Something that fundamentally God has to do a work in our hearts. Look at verse 2 of that psalm. It says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Now David lived in a very different world to us. Very different kind of culture. But what he offers us is something far better than a society that says keep treating yourself, keep rewarding yourself. What he offers us is a life spent with God. Because for David, it's very simple. The Lord is the supreme reality of his life. He belongs to the Lord. The Lord fulfills his heart and fulfills his longings. Look at verse 6. I love this verse. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. love the poetry there. Um, you get this impression of, oh, I get this impression, you might think of something different, of David's life being like a field. And around this field, the life that God has given him are pleasant things, you know, good pasture, perhaps some nice water, some forests, some good views. And it's as if David has been given this life by God because he is honouring him. But the rooting of his life is not in the boundaries. It's who's at the centre. Who's at the centre of his life? You know, the more I thought about this, the more I think so many questions of our work, our play, our rest, come down to one very simple three-word question. And it's simply this. Is Jesus Lord? Is Jesus Lord? If he is, then I can't imagine we would want to hurt him by setting up false gods or idols in our own heart of anything. If he is, then we wouldn't want to wreck our relationships, our marriages, or our friendships by putting other things in the place of those things that we value most. If Jesus really is Lord, then actually we wouldn't want to do things that would go against God's will for our life. You know, the context of leisure, how we spend our free time, I believe is actually better the closer we are to Jesus. The more we are in step with the Holy Spirit day by day. I wonder whether you think about your leisure time, then, as also an opportunity for sharing Jesus, an opportunity for sharing the hope that we have in the gospel. On Wednesday evening, um, Claire went to a, a PTA social evening because it was Timothy's last day at primary school. don't know where those years have gone, but anyway, that chapter is now over, and he goes off to high school in September. 
Um, now, Claire's given me permission to share this, so she won't be telling me off afterwards. But Claire got into conversation with somebody at this evening, and she was talking to this, this lady with, with Beth. I think some of you will probably know Beth who comes here. And they were sat chatting, and um, they got to talk about their faith, just totally out of the blue, a totally unrelated social context. And I think God was doing something there. I think you would, you would agree with that. You can nod at me. That actually this was a conversation that because Claire was in that kind of environment, had given the chance to share the hope that she has in Jesus. You know, if Jesus is Lord, we don't have time off from laboring for the gospel. We don't have time off where we say, oh, forget this being a Christian business. Forget this being a disciple. This time's all about me. The time that we serve God is all the time. All of life. Every little bit of it. But there is a real danger here for us as Christians. And this is where I have to put my hand up as somebody who works full-time in Christian work and say this is me so often. Is that actually we just get churchy and our leisure time gets squeezed and we actually don't meet anybody. You know, for me, I'm probably in church three or four nights a week doing various things. Um, and it can be hard to form genuine relationships with people outside the church. And we squeeze out that area which could be such a valuable mission field for sharing the love of God. And it doesn't exist if we're not careful. So if that's you today, if you find that actually your life is just full of Christian stuff, and there isn't any opportunity to live out and share out the gospel, perhaps there is that call to rebalance. That call to actually say, where am I going to speak to people? Where can I effectively share the love of God? But if today that's not your issue, if you do have opportunities, if during the course of a week or a month you have the the chance to share, the chance to just live out an authentic Christian life in front of people, do you see your leisure time as being mission? Do you see it as an opportunity? Perhaps not going and preaching the three-point sermon to every friend that you have. That isn't what I believe we're called to do. But just living out the Christian life, being prepared to give an answer for the hope you have in Jesus, wherever and whenever you are. What does Jesus say at the end of Matthew's Gospel? Go into all nations. Talk about Jesus. But where does it start? It doesn't start at the ends of the earth. It starts in Jerusalem. It starts where they are. It starts, if you like, in the place where they open their own front door. You know, for us, our own mission fields start in Lim, or in Graffenhall, or in High Lee, or Thelwall, or Appleton, or wherever else we live. It starts at the gym, or the tennis club, starts when we meet in a toddler's group or we go and have a coffee with somebody. By living out this kind of life that Jesus calls us to. So the final thing. I think I believe that the most important thing in terms of our life is to have a godly balance. To have those priorities in life that reflect the purposes of God that he has for us. Work, rest and play. Three areas that I think all impact us to a greater or lesser degree. But I want to leave us with a few questions, really, to think about. And particularly, think about how you spend your leisure time. Whether you have the luxury of 35 hours a week, or whether you have 35 minutes a week, it's still a challenge for us. What does the way you spend your leisure time say about you? What does it say about who you are? Just think about that for a moment. Is Jesus really, if Jesus really is Lord, are there any things I need to change? 
we're thinking about leisure time, this is incredibly practical. It's about real life. It's about what we do on the day-to-day. Are there things we need to change? And thirdly, how can I use my own leisure time to share the good news about Jesus? Are there things I can do to share gospel hope through actions, through words if needed, so that we can demonstrate Jesus to the world? Just spend a few moments just in quiet. Have a think through those. See what answers are in your own heart. And then we'll just pray and bring your answers to the Lord before we then sing again and spend some time just responding to God. So just leave a few moments of silence.